0: Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9:30 a.m, and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Once again, good morning. It's good to be with you. It's good to gather, to worship the God who is indeed the giver of every good gift. And in this season together, during the sermon series, we have been focusing on God's gift of hope. We saw last week that the Apostle Peter writes, don't worry or be afraid. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And so we've been talking about how as Christians, we should expect to be getting questions Questions about the hope that we so obviously have. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not going to have hard, difficult days or even seasons. It doesn't mean we won't encounter spiritually dry patches in our lives. But somehow, according to Peter, we're going to have hope that's not just deep in our lives, but visible on the surface of our lives. Our hope is meant to be evident in a way that leads to questions that then lead to our opportunity to share stories. As we began this series, Pastor Diane reminded us that sometimes our hope comes from looking backwards, from looking behind us. And as we look back, we are encouraged by those stories we see of those saints who came before us, stories like these that we see in the Bible, we read about in the book of Hebrews, people whom we got to know personally, and we find that their faith and hope inspire ours. And then last week, we explored how we can find hope in the goodness and faithfulness of God, even in those times when we find ourselves very much in the middle of our own stories. Stories that we might wonder, how is this possibly going to end up? We listened in on the words of the Apostle Paul to the Christian church in Rome, a church that was in the middle of a very challenging story, marked by quite a bit of pain and suffering. And Paul in his letter provided some perspective by encouraging them with these words. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now it's interesting, it's important to notice that Paul isn't saying that our present pain and suffering and trials are trivial. He doesn't downplay them. Paul knows from his own life all too well the pain of struggles and hardships and setbacks. He knows that being in the middle of a story can be an incredibly challenging time. And so it's not that these painful moments are insignificant. It's just that when they're compared with what's coming, with the glory that Paul reminds us is awaiting us, they actually pale in comparison, even when that might be difficult to believe in the moment. And Paul goes on to say, Hope that is seen as no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And so, because of the certainty we have and the promises of God and the faithfulness and goodness of God, we do have hope in the now. We have hope in the middle of our stories. And I think there's something amazing that happens when we find ourselves confident in the Lord because of the hope that he's given us for today. Because yes, it means that we can be free from worry and anxiety about the future, at least on our good days. But this hope also means that we have been freed up to think about people other than ourselves. The hope that God gives us comforts us in our today. But it's not meant just to comfort us. It's meant to remind us that God's got us. And so instead of worrying about ourselves, we can actually look to the needs of those around us. We can invest in the people who we see around us and even in those who will come after us. The hope that God gives us today means we don't need to worry about our future and can choose to invest in the future of those who will come after us someday. This is what can happen when the people of God remember who we are. Remember that we're not meant for this earth as our final destination. We are God's people, and in the long run, we are not of this earth. This is what the writer of Hebrews was saying in chapter 11 that was read earlier. After describing the faith and the hope of Old Testament characters like Cain, excuse me, Abel, who is contrasted with Cain, Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham, the writer goes on to say that all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. When we're longing for a better country, and when we're clinging to the hope that God has given us through faith in Jesus Christ, rather than getting hung up on our day-to-day struggles, we tend to grasp things more lightly. We tend to find our grasp able to unclench. The more we understand and anticipate the destination that's ahead of us, the more likely we'll be motivated to actually travel lightly in the journey. The more we see ourselves as pilgrims passing through this world, even though we've been given important work to do while we're here, the easier it is for us to look around and notice the fellow travelers with us on our journey. And the more likely we'll be to, to pay it forward to those who will come after us. Here at Bethany, we say that we are convinced that God has called us to connect and serve so that generations discover and experience the transforming love of God. And so this means that we want all generations gathered here with us now as we worship God together, as we serve alongside each other, as we live and lean into this mission. I love the fact that we recently had someone in their 90s join our church. And the next week, we'll be baptizing an infant. Next Sunday, we'll have two young people coming to present themselves for baptism by immersion. We look around and we see that God is powerfully at work among the generations here at Bethany, but we're also aware by faith of those whom we can't yet see, those generations of people who are going to come after us, who will be here when all of us are gone. The hope that God has given us today actually allows us to think about them to consider investing in those who will come in many tomorrows now it's not hard to see that this kind of hopefulness is actually in many ways countercultural we might even consider our hope a kind of protest against the common narrative that things are only getting worse that our best days are behind us Confidence that God has our present and our future well in hand enables us to open our hands, to give generously, to invest in others. We can more freely use our natural abilities, our spiritual gifts, for the good of those around us. When we realize that God's got us, we don't need to look out for number one. We can grasp less tightly to our money when we recognize the joy of investing in the lives of those who will come after us. We can choose not to fight for every opportunity to get ahead because our hopes aren't tied up in our present circumstances or advantages, but our hopes are anchored in our future glory in Christ and the promised country where we're headed together as pilgrims. We can do all these things because of the hope that God has given us, but it isn't always easy. It's not always easy to hold lightly instead of grasping tightly. It's not easy to let go of those things that might seem to give us so much safety and security and advantage. It might be even harder to deliberately let them go, to invest them, to release them to spend them on someone other than ourselves. This can take practice, can take a bit of discipline. This morning I've invited Lisa Olson to come share her story of how her hope in God has been strengthened and how she, she has grown in her willingness and ability to be faithful and generous in financial giving. So Lisa, welcome.
1: I was born on Easter Sunday, back in 1965, and it was a pretty big deal because I was three weeks late. So I entered the world at nine pounds and was told I resembled Winston Churchill. (laughs) That said, my dad missed his first Easter morning to preach. My parents were called right out of seminary to serve a small church in Massachusetts. So our little family with a toddler-sized three-month-old moved to New England, where I grew up as a preacher's kid. I loved the church right from the very start. The cracks and worries showed up later. My first memory of tithing, stewardship, came when I overheard my parents talking about paying bills. Dad couldn't get his paycheck from the church until mom turned in their monthly tithe. But she couldn't afford to pay that until she received his check. Ugh, many life lessons were learned that day. The first being, God is there to carry our burdens. And the second is, every person's tithe matters. Fast forward to 1987, when Tim and I got married. I'm pleased to tell you that of all the couples I know, my parents had, and Tim and I have, an egalitarian marriage. That said, the one and only ultimatum that Tim had for us starting 36 years ago is to tithe and then some. He asked that we be generous with our limited funds to the Lord, and he was firm about setting the standard right off the bat. He wanted to honor God and to imitate his generous grandfather, A. Harold Anderson, who taught him to put faith in action in this particular way. So as a brand new graduate from North Park College, me, attending grad school at Northeastern Illinois University and paying tuition to North Park Seminary for his MDiv, it was difficult to carve off 10%. Of a part time youth pastor's salary, him, and working the front desk of Covenant offices, me. So, what happened? Front row seat to miracles. Our first church out of seminary in 1990 was to Rochester, Minnesota. Houses, nice houses, back then in that area cost $78,000. I can't explain to you how it worked, but we were able to buy one, only God. Our needs were met and sometimes even our wants. We never were and still aren't prosperity gospel advocates. And maybe my house buying example seems to be that. So the bigger miracle is that over the years, my joy of giving, not pride in giving, but joy in giving, the privilege of tithing, even when times were bleak, happened, a change heart, the joy of giving, it happened. The model set for us by our parents and grandparents is now being passed on to the next two generations. Life has had its ups and downs, twists and turns, but as bill payer and money handler for our family, I've honored Tim's 1987 stance set for us. God is faithful and is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing your story. I love how we got to hear um, from her own testimony how Lisa was able to get a bigger perspective on her own life as well as in the world as she opened up her eyes and held more loosely to the things that God had given her. She saw that she was part of something bigger than herself. And this is honestly why I love personally contributing to our ministries here at Bethany Covenant Church. I get to be part of something bigger than myself when I join you in contributing to our shared ministries. It allows me to really be, in a a real sense, a co-participant with God in what God is doing here among us and among these generations here. Today, we're focusing on our stewardship campaign that will help us prepare financially for 2024. But the idea of stewardship is not just about that. Any conversation about stewardship and about generous giving needs to remind us that our hope is grounded in the goodness and faithfulness of God. It needs to remind us that we've actually been participated in a story that's that's way bigger than our own. We look at the stories in the Bible and we see the story of God, but we actually come to see our own story there. See how our lives, our stories fit in the bigger story of God. Our adoption as daughters and sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ ushers us into a brand new family, a whole new kingdom, and into a sweeping story across history. As I said, I love that when we each contribute to the ministry of Bethany Covenant Church, we get to be part of something beyond ourselves and bigger than ourselves. Our volunteering, our investment of our time, our talent, our spiritual gifts are so important to our shared work. God has united us as the body of Christ and we need every part doing its part. We need the diversity of gifts and backgrounds and perspectives and stories. And although our investment of time through our volunteering and service won't ever directly impact every aspect of ministry here at Bethany, our financial gifts actually do. Because we don't give to specific or financial or specific or favorite areas of Bethany's ministry. Our general fund contributions empower the entire ministry of the church and enable us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. This is one reason I find it so meaningful, personally, to be able to give. And as a covenant pastor, I love the fact that as a covenant church, this congregation is also part of something bigger than itself. We're part of the East Coast Conference of Covenant Churches, About 100 churches from Maine to Virginia. We're also part of our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. About 850 congregations spread across the nation. Together, we support missionaries around the world. We partner to plant churches. We engage in works of benevolence, compassion, mercy, and justice. Works we couldn't possibly accomplish successfully on our own. Our general fund budget includes support to both our conference and our denomination. And I invite you to take a look at this video that really explains how these connections between our local church and our regional conference and our national denomination multiply to uh, expand our impact everywhere.
2: Have you ever wondered how your tithes and offerings are being used? In the Evangelical Covenant Church, we celebrate our unique bond between the local church, regional conference, and the denomination, woven together to form a multi-generational, multi-ethnic partnership that impacts millions of lives around the world. Together we are Three strands Strong, woven together so we can accomplish greater work in the mission of God's kingdom than we could ever do apart. Three Strand Strong enables us to say with integrity, we are in it together. Church conference, Covenant. Our local churches come face-to-face with the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of people and respond with Christ's love and compassion. Our conferences provide support and resources for churches and leaders and come alongside congregations when they go through hard times. And the Covenant works in unity with congregations and conferences to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the entire world, from everywhere to everywhere. We send and support global personnel, provide help to those in greatest need, pursue justice for the oppressed, plant new churches and strengthen existing ones, train and credential pastors and chaplains, foster the flourishing of women, and make new disciples while deepening believers in the walk of faith. And there's more. Our mission is join God to make more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just world. Our goal is to see new followers of Christ, plant new churches, partner with congregations in community transformation projects, train future leaders, come alongside ministers and global personnel in crisis, and so much more. When you give, you not only support your local covenant congregation, you participate in the collective and collaborative ministry we are called into together. Thank you for your partnership. Together, we are three strands strong.
0: We get to be part of all of that, and that's pretty exciting. So now as we move into some of the details of our stewardship program, I want to invite anybody who's a visitor here today, uh, you can check out mentally. It's okay. I'll invite you back in a few minutes as we uh, attend to some family business. But if you consider Bethany your church home, I want to share with you an update as we get toward the end of 2023 and as we prepare for 2024. Our fiscal calendar goes with the, uh, the annual calendar. On the highlights card you were given this morning on the way in, you saw a bunch of information, including a financial update that gives us a snapshot of where we're at financially. And you'll notice a number that's on the bottom line, but I want actually to direct your attention to one number up, and that's giving year to date. That number is That's phenomenal. Um, That is incredible. So thank you. Thank you. That is generous giving. That's giving that's come in through your regular tithes, through special gifts, and even through some estate planning that some folks have done as they've included Bethany uh, in their wills. You will see on this update that we're running uh, about $22,000 behind budget as of now. But if you do the math, that means we're 96.2% on track. That's pretty amazing. So again, thank you. And I'm actually very hopeful and have every reason to believe that that, that deficit uh, will be eliminated by year-end through, through your faithful giving and your generous year-end gifts. The Commitment Cards that were mailed to our members and friends and that are available today if you need one are important in two ways. First, they're important to us individually as we take time to be intentional and thoughtful about our plans to give to Bethany's ministries in 2024. These cards invite us to spend time with God and think about our financial commitments to our shared ministry. And then second, as you turn in these cards, as we together do that, these cards are extremely helpful for our budget planning team. They provide essential information as our 2024 budget is prepared to be presented to this congregation at our congregational meeting early in 2024. We take your commitments seriously because we know you do as well. The final giving numbers for 2023 in terms of overall income and the commitment card total from the cards that are turned in as part of this campaign are really the two most significant factors, pieces of information we have as we put together our 2024 budget. We don't have an endowment to draw on, and so it's this track record of giving and commitment to future giving that guides our budgeting process. This is something that we do individually, but that we can only successfully accomplish together. And so thank you for your participation in your giving and in this stewardship campaign. These cards can be turned in at the specially marked baskets that'll be available at the end of the, the service. You can mail these into the church office or you can fill out an online commitment card. And I want you to know that the information you turn in is, in is completely confidential. There's only one person, our financial secretary, who sees the details of these cards as he compiles that information and passes it along to our budget team. All right. Visitors, wake up. Welcome back. And if you are visiting today, and if you're wondering, hey, is this one of those churches that only talks about money? I want to invite you to come back and find out for yourself. I think you'll discover that um, we do take our stewardship seriously. We see it as a vital part of our lives as disciples of Jesus, but we recognize it is not the sum total of our life of following Christ. We simply want, as a congregation, to make sure that finances don't get in the way of us fully living into the mission God has given us to live out in great hope. We worship a good and faithful God. We follow a Lord and Savior who teaches us what it means to give everything sacrificially, to invest gifts and resources to God's kingdom purposes. Jesus is our model for a life focused on others rather than on ourselves. It's my prayer that we would always keep our eyes on him. Would you join me in prayer? Loving and generous God, thank you for the hope that you've given us through your son Jesus, and thank you for opening our eyes and expanding our vision beyond ourselves. Thank you for helping us see those around us, to see the needs that you've given us both opportunities and resources to meet. God, thank you for times when our own needs have been met by our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, would you continue to help us to see beyond natural seeing, to be able to see those generations who will come after us. Father, thank you for the honor of helping build up the foundation that will support them, even as we have built on those who have come before us. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name,
2: amen.